1: Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast, Matthew Collar, along with Judd Zulgad. Judd, who is uh, exhausted from hobnobbing with celebrities, or rather, Judd, getting bumped into by celebrities on Radio Row.
0: Radio Row is, uh, let's just say, I don't think they thought about the size of human beings in 2018 when they decided to go forward with the plan, because it You are correct. I have been getting checked like it's a hockey game on a regular basis for four hours for the past three days. But besides that, I'm having a wonderful time.
1: Well, yeah, we got to see uh, Terrell Owens walk by, Terrell Davis. We saw Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson bro it out like crazy, giving bro hugs, high fives. One of them squeezed the other one's muscle. I mean, this was all going on like right over my head. Uh, Vaughn Miller has a very large entourage, I discovered, because all of them stopped right over me at the same time. So it's been um, an enlightening experience, and also... You saw two radio hosts yell at each other, correct? Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, what? Two guys. It turned out it was two guys from Houston, and we were sitting by the one guy who got up and walked over to the other guy's table. And because he didn't have a cordless mic, he took his phone so that he could so that he could call into a station. I I don't know. I have no idea.
1: That's a lot all of I, effort to go yell at a guy across the room.
0: All I know is that uh, the past three days have been uh, have been enlightening when, when it comes to. How much of the country on their sports stations like to basically yell?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's not an easy and quiet environment to work in, but very fun. Victor Cruz is really great. Greg Jennings had some awesome stories about Brett Favre and Christian Ponder. So go find those if you haven't uh, listened to them. We've put them up on everywhere, Facebook and on uh, the podcast feed for Mackie and Judd. So if you're interested, Greg Jennings was super, super good on former Vikings quarterbacks. But speaking of Vikings quarterbacks, Judd, uh, we've got a move that has shaken up the landscape. Alex Smith traded to Washington. Eventually, when the league year begins, he will be traded to Washington, but they have agreed to a deal for him, which takes our Alex Smith idea off the table.
0: I am disappointed. I should say this. I was disappointed that that my plan or our plan uh, collapsed so quickly because it did make a lot of sense for me. If if you're the Vikings to pursue Alex Smith, let Keenum walk, uh, go to Teddy, give Teddy potentially a three-year extension, bring Smith in 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 the last year of his contract, and have him start in 2018. So my initial reaction was, oh, that's too bad. Until Matthew Collar, I saw the terms of the deal. So the Washington Redskins sent a, a very good nickel corner to uh, Casey, which is the equivalent of what? Trey Wayne's, right? Being traded from the Vikings to Casey.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, they sent a third round pick. I'm fine with that. But then but then what put it over the top was, if I'm not mistaken, the agreement between Alex Smith and the Redskins for him to go there will be a four-year, I think it's $94 million contract with approximately $71 million in guarantees. At that point, I said, that is way too rich for for my blood. The uh, Chiefs got a great deal. The Redskins, I think, paid way too much. And if you were the Vikings and those were the parameters of a potential trade and or sign-and-trade, I would have said, thank you very much, but I have no interest in doing that deal.
1: Well, and signing him up until he's age 39, the reason that I liked him the most for the Vikings was he would give you a chance to win now, and then you can walk away from him if you want to that last year he led the league quarterback rating and was more aggressive than he had ever been really in his career, and it paid off. And if he was able to do the same thing, then maybe you would talk about uh, an extension at that point, but you would basically make him prove it and see if he could get you deep into the playoffs on that one-year deal. Instead, Washington, I mean, when there's so much interest for a guy, the price goes up, and Washington – Pulled the trigger really early here. We're not even close to when the league year starts. We're more than a month away from that. So they pulled the trigger really quickly, and they gave up a very big load for, uh, you know, a team in Kansas City that has their quarterback already, Pat Mahomes. So they don't mm-hmm. lose anything really. They were going to turn the ball over to Mahomes anyway, and they end up getting a guy who can help improve their defense where they really struggled this year. It's a great deal, but uh, for the Chiefs. But it also takes someone off the table for the Vikings, which moves us on to the next guy, that being Kirk Cousins. And, Judd, where I've stood on Kirk Cousins all along is, like Kirk Cousins, don't love Kirk Cousins at $30 million a year. And
0: I actually saw um, some, some quick speculation after the Smith contract. The, uh, the terms leaked out on that last night, Matthew. And the immediate speculation I saw that is Kirk Cousins will get $94 million, the same as Smith, only the difference is this. It will be guaranteed $2 million more than Stafford got, which means that Kirk Cousins, uh, when the league new year begins, and I believe, let me look that up. I think it's March the 14th. Yes, March 14th, Kirk Cousins will become your highest paid player in the National Football League, at least for a while. I'm not going there. I like him, too. I'm with you. I think he might be very good but the key in the sentence that i just used was i think um if you are going to make that type of investment in a quarterback though if you're the vikings that means that you have to start saying okay we're going to invest in him but at that much it's going to affect our salary cap because it would and so now can we not resign kendrick's can we not resign bar hunter and go down that defensive list of very good young players who need need to be potentially brought back here and or extended soon. Um, So I'm with you. I like Cousins. There is no way that I am going to guarantee him $94 million.
1: And the thing about Kirk Cousins that's so interesting for me is when you watch tape on Kirk Cousins or when you look at Pro Football Focus's grades off of the game tape for Kirk Cousins – they're really not anywhere near as impressive as his box score stats. And my theory on that is two things. One, that pro football focus grades the quality and degree of difficulty of throws, and his are just not that high of a degree of difficulty. And uh, there's also a lot of mistakes there, double-digit interceptions every single year, which I think would drive Mike Zimmer uh, up the wall if he threw 13 or 14 interceptions for the Vikings. And I think part of it too is they're playing in shootouts a lot where the other team is scoring a lot on their defense and they're having to score and other defenses are playing back and things like that, where he's racking up a lot of these huge fantasy stats. So he's great for fantasy owners, but when it comes to your big time throws, when it comes to your big third downs and things like that, he's not necessarily the quarterback who can have the arm talent to make that happen. And the way I look at him is he's a glorified case Keenum or a case Keenum who's done it for three years. So if you don't want case Keenum, then you probably don't want his slightly better uh, version in Kirk cousins at such a high price, which leads us as all roads seem to do. Judd back to Teddy Bridgewater in this conversation. Now Doogie brought up something interesting that for all we talked about, Alex Smith, He said that he heard the Vikings weren't really in the conversation for Smith. That makes me think even more that they've already got this figured out which direction they're going to go.
0: My opinion is this, and and this just comes uh, from trying to interpret what's been said. Zimmer obviously held his uh, end-of-the-season press conference on the Tuesday after the loss at Philadelphia. My guess is this. There's two scenarios. Both involve Teddy, right? Right. Scenario one is, is that they have seen enough behind the scenes that they believe in Teddy and they believe that he has a very good chance uh, to come back and be the starting quarterback on opening day, 2018. Keenum and Bradford are going to walk and, and the Vikings are going to try and go out and sign a veteran behind Teddy who can potentially be like case. And if something goes awry or goes wrong, that guy can start. That's scenario one scenario two is the outside chance that they go to Teddy and say, Teddy, this is a 24-month recovery period. You haven't played in two years, and quite frankly, we don't think you're going to be set to start uh, at the beginning of 2018. Therefore, we want to sign you to, let's say, a three-year contract. We're going to franchise Case. Case is going to start the season. You might very well have a chance to take over at some point, and if Case struggles or it doesn't go well, then Case to sign for one year at a big cap hit. But keep in mind, it's one year. Um But I really believe if behind the scenes they've seen that Teddy is in good shape, I believe with every fiber of my soul that Zimmer and Spielman want to go back to Teddy and that that, while it's fun to talk about the external options, I think the options to the Vikings are really going to come down to what they can do internally. And the only guy that I'm convinced is probably gone is Bradford.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think Keenum is still a part of this conversation that he may be the backup option if Teddy Bridgewater simply says, sorry guys, I can get more money somewhere else. If he thinks... Now, Tom Bellisario was on with you guys and when you asked him about the price for Teddy Bridgewater, he seemed to think that you'd be looking at something like a one-year deal if he went somewhere else. Like a one-year deal for $10 bucks or something like that. But now, I, I believe that... People would tell him that now, but when the price starts going up and the interest starts increasing, then you see teams get desperate for a quarterback and potentially would pay more. And I kind of look at it like he might sign a a similar deal to what Sam Bradford did when he went to the Philadelphia Eagles initially before being traded to the Vikings short-term deal with a good amount of guaranteed money and a guaranteed starting spot. And if you're the Arizona Cardinals and you lost out on Alex Smith and you don't want to sign Kirk Cousins or you lose out on Cousins, you don't have a high draft pick and you don't want to trade everything you have to move up, isn't Bridgewater a really good option for you? It seems like there will be several teams who are going to be making that phone call to Bridgewater that's going to push up this price.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. And I, I just go back. This league is so quarterback starved, Matthew. I go back to this. The Miami Dolphins, sight unseen. Called the Vikings about Teddy months ago. I mean, we're talking about about a guy who we know for a fact at that time uh, hadn't been activated yet, was still going through the recovery process, and they called the Vikings to inquire about the price. Uh, the quarterback market is absolutely crazy. It's absolutely nuts. So I don't believe for one second that you're that you are going to get an, another Keenum like bargain. I mean, that was pure luck. One year, two million dollars. Come on. So. I do I do think my second scenario is a tough sell because I'm not sure that, that Teddy is going to say, oh, okay, I'll play behind Case for all or a part of 2018. But the guy who should be celebrating today after the Alex Smith terms came out is Case himself because if Case does not get franchised, baby, I don't care what, what we say about him. I don't care how much we believe that his head coach might not believe in him. Case Keenum, I believe I'm correct on this, is about to get paid
1: by somebody. Uh, yes, I believe you are correct, too, if they don't franchise him. And, I, you know, the, the option that they might want is having both of those guys back and just letting them battle it out in training camp and see who wins and go from there. And they can force Case to stay by franchising him and potentially try to convince Bridgewater to stay. But I think that there's always going to be another team out there that says, no, Teddy, you don't have to compete with anyone. You're going to be our guy and just rolls the dice on his knee. And if you look at it based on the fact that he was the backup quarterback for so long and it seemed that Zimmer wanted to turn the ball over to him, he must have looked pretty good in practice when they first brought him back because otherwise Mike Zimmer would have said, no way, we can't bring Bridgewater back yet. And they would have had Kyle Sloter as their backup instead of having Teddy Bridgewater there. So I think that they – are convinced that he can come in and play games. Uh, it's just, is that really the best idea when there's a lot of risk involved? And maybe that's what they're going to have to do is, is just try to roll the dice. I will say that as far as veteran backups go, ugh, there is not a Case Keenum out there on the list. I could tell you that. Excuse it's, me while I cough. Yes. Is Chad oh. Henney uh, the next Case Keenum? Probably not. Um, no. Judd, I wrote an article really quick after – Alex Smith was traded like the minutes after. Okay. My article premise was Smith is off the table. If it's not cousins and it's not in house, which is possible if Bridgewater said he's going somewhere else and they didn't buy into case Keenum, it is possible that they could look to other options than all of those guys. So the under the radar candidates. And before I tell you these under the radar candidates, I would like to read you some of the comments uh, Rod says, these are all terrible options. Uh, FL Viking says, what a terrible read, Collar. This article's title should have been QBs the Vikings shouldn't sign. Uh, Doc, in all capitals, no thank you. Uh, another guy, nope to all. And it goes on. Shivers from Andre. It, it just it, it, This continues for a very, very long time. Um, so that's, there's a reason why Matthew, So that's great now. Okay. So I'll give you the options and I appreciate everyone who commented hilariously on this article, but I also think that these people are overstating it. Okay. So the options are, I'll just read you all five. Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Tannehill, Josh McCown, AJ McCarron, and Carson Palmer. Now, let me just give you a quick reasoning on all of them that they could all work out. Tyrod Taylor had a terrible offense that traded his top wide receiver. When he had good wide receivers, he had a 99 quarterback rating. Ryan Tannehill averaged more yards per attempt than Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, or Case Keenum ever have in their career the last time he played. Josh McCown basically was Case Keenum this year. A.J. McCarron, the only time he played, he played really well and had a 97 quarterback rating a couple of years ago. And Carson Palmer... Would it be the first time that an old ass quarterback was talked out of retirement and won for the Vikings? There, no, it would no, it would not be, it would not be. So where where
0: do you want me to start? Do you want to go through them again with me and and have me scoff and
1: Yes, yes, and, I do. And, I'll start and you, yawn and you scoff. Throat? All right, so okay, all right. Tyrod Taylor. Well,
0: okay, so so the premise is the – Strict premise here: Teddy comes back as the starter. Keenum and Bradford are gone, and these guys are probably the backups. Uh,
1: no. The premise here is that Teddy leaves. Kirk Cousins signs somewhere else, okay. and the Vikings do not want Case Keenum as their long-term quarterback.
0: Okay. Ta- okay. If that's the premise, the uh, I- I'm going to go back to what I did with Phil on today's show and give you the groan meter. The okay. grown The groan meter on Tyrod Taylor as your starter is. Uh,
1: Okay. So
0: it's, it's not really long, but it's still an,
1: oh. Now, I have never been a believer in Tyrod Taylor as a franchise quarterback, but I did see him play pretty well, better than Case Keenum did this year for the Vikings a couple of years ago, and the Bills didn't make the playoffs because Rex Ryan forgot how to defense. I mean, this guy has run for 1,500 yards in the last three years, and it was more about his supporting cast – being shredded this year, and he did get him to the playoffs. But, I mean, he this is also a guy who has one of the lowest interception rates of all time, which could interest Mike Zimmer. And if, Zim loves it. if you think about this, two great wide receivers, Delvin Cook, a potential spread or West Coast offense for this guy, when last year he was not put in a, in a very good offense that fit him. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not saying that, this, that, that he would win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying that if everything else falls apart – and the Bills trade up to draft a quarterback, then you have to make the phone call on somebody who's shown that they have a lot of uh, athletic potential, for one, because he's a great runner, but also um, ha- have had some success as a starting quarterback.
0: I will say this. If, I, if, if I'm if uh, i Spielman and Zim and I get the feeling that, that there is any chance that I have to turn to uh, said list that you put together on uh, Tuesday night, I'm franchising Keenum. I'm giving him his 20 million, and I'm franchising him and saying, I'll give you another year.
1: See, I think that the next guy on our list is better than Case Keenum, but has been playing for one of the league's most underappreciatedly awful franchises, the Miami Dolphins. At last we saw Ryan Tannehill, he had a, a very good season in Miami. I mean, he had a ninety-three point five quarterback rating, seven point seven yards per attempt. He is another great athlete with a big arm. That maybe just hasn't. Who's the best Miami wide receiver? Is it Jarvis Landry, who's kind of a dink and dunk yeah. guy? Yeah, uh, but he's not. He's not he's... Thielen or Diggs. Not even close. He'd be their best. Yeah, that's true.
0: And now, so he's coming off a torn ACL in training camp, but of course, uh, Teddy's coming off a catastrophic knee injury in what would have been what uh, late August of two thousand and sixteen. And Bradford's got a chronic knee problem, so of those three, Tannehill's probably the safest bet. And yes, I think on your list, this is the best option. I think among among the names, which includes, as you said before, trying to talk uh, Carson Palmer into coming back potentially, I do believe the Tannehill is your best option. The groan on that is much shorter.
1: Okay, Josh McCown should be a Viking next year as a backup. If you were going to sign Teddy Bridgewater, then you should also sign Josh McCown, because Probably no one's going to make him their starter. And this year he had a 94.3 rating, 18 touchdowns, nine picks, 7.3 yards per attempt, 67% completion percentage. The dude was pretty decent. I mean, it, he'd be very much your season isn't over if Teddy goes down again. He could be that.
0: Or, or if Stefanski gets the OC job or leaves, guess what? He could be a quarterback's coach. He's, <laughs> he's 38. He, he's going to be 39 on July 4th on Independence Day. So he could either be your backup quarterback or your quarterback's coach. Okay. He knows a lot about the position. He's a, he's a savvy guy.
1: He would not be the first guy to go into his late 30s, Gus Farrat, and have a, no, he wouldn't. A, a run to the playoffs. Um, now, this option is more intriguing than a lot of the other ones, but on a win-now team, it's a little tougher. A.J. McCarron – came in for three games, 2015 on a really stacked team through six touchdowns, two picks and came within two points of beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs for Cincinnati. He's pretty young. He's got a lot of experience as a backup was very good in college. Yeah. I I think he's an intriguing option. I mean, maybe it doesn't quite fit what the Vikings are trying to do with where they stand in searching for a Super Bowl, but, um, you know, the, I, the responses to this thing, I just think are so far over the top. I mean, I'm talking about two proven starting quarterbacks. I'm talking about, okay, I understand the McCown grown, but uh, yeah. talking about McCarron, who's highly sought after and people were trying to trade for at the, at the trade deadline. I mean, these are not just a, a group of jamokes. I mean, these are some guys who are I- pretty talented.
0: I think when, when you put Carson Palmer there on last, and said that, that the Vikings have a history of going to aging quarterbacks who just retired and talking them out of, of said retirement, I think that's where you might have lost people.
1: Was that a uh, was that a shark jump? I put him last. AJ
0: AJ McCarron is an interesting name in this sense. I believe, and I'm trying to, to find this on Google right now. I believe he has a grievance. Uh, he hearing. does. Correct. Okay. Yes. If if he is deemed to be an unrestricted free agent. Someone is going to sign him, and someone is at least, I think, going to give him a legitimate chance to start. Yes. Uh, The Bengals, I believe, who are among the cheapest teams in the history of sports, are trying to say that he should not be unrestricted and that he should be a restricted free agent, which means that you would have to give up potential, if you signed him, draft pick compensation, which I don't think I would do if I'm the Vikings. So if he was turned loose, I would examine the possibility Um, all of that being said, once again, this comes back to the question mark. And do you want to turn the offense over to a guy who has had some success in limited playing time before, but has not been a starter throughout the majority of his career or his entire career?
1: Yeah, I, I think he is intriguing for a team that's maybe rebuilding, but then again, I mean, if he is that talented to play really well for the Bengals when they were a stacked team. Could he do that again? You know, so I'm, I'm still poking through these comments. Go get Phillip Rivers from the Chargers. This is this is my point of... That was ra- from
0: Mackie Collar. My, that
1: came,
0: I, I bet that one is from a P. Mackie in Minneapolis right there. He loves Philip Rivers. It,
1: it's from Brian H. I also like Phillip Rivers, but what would make you think Phillip Rivers is available? I mean, the Chargers had a great team this year. They had a lot go wrong early in the season and missed the playoffs, but they could be a serious contender next year. I mean, what... Why would Phillip Rivers be leaving? I mean, he lives in L.A., right? Or he lives in San Diego and he He goes to San Diego and
0: buses to Los Angeles for the games, And that was absolutely fantastic. Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: But he's a Southern California guy. Now he's been their franchise quarterback forever. They're just going to trade him for what reason? I I don't see that at all. That's where I'm I'm reading. Well, call Drew Brees. Okay. well, Brees said on the Ellen show that he is going to be a saint (laughs) for life. So I don't think that's going to happen. Kirk Cousins okay well you know what with Tyrod Taylor and his contract situation (coughs) and Ryan Tannehill you are not locked into those guys for very long at really all that much money and I think both of those guys are on now Tannehill I think is probably on Cousins' level and Taylor maybe a step down but the running makes him uh, a little bit better there it's not like Cousins is on a whole different tier than those guys and then you're talking about the premise of the article was if they don't want to franchise Keenum and Teddy is going elsewhere. So, you know, of course those would be your two first options. But I mean, if you're talking about quarterbacks who are proven and in their prime, stepping into a great situation, I agree that the Palmer thing was tongue in cheek to some extent, but also Randall Cunningham. Did anyone see that coming? Jeff George went what? Seven and three, one year Gus for I just mentioned, I mean, th- yeah, th- it's I think, this stuff I think does Carson, happen.
0: Yeah, I think Carson has made it pretty clear he's done that now, though, and I don't see him. I mean, he's been hurt so much as well. But, but to your point about your list, I mean, there have there have to be backup plans here. I'm just saying, I think the backup plan, if they think that things start to fall apart, is going to be to franchise case. But more importantly, I really believe this team is going to sign Teddy to a contract. Yeah, I really me too. I, I, I there's, there's two Juds here. There's the podcast radio Jud who loves to speculate, right? Because it's great fun, and it's fun to talk about the rest of the league and what could the Vikings do if they did this or, or that. The old-school beat writer, Star Tribune newspaper Jud though, basically believes a very boring thing, and that is the head coach and the GM love Teddy Bridgewater and have read every intention of bringing him back, and it might even be a mistake. But I'm pretty convinced if you go back and look at these Zimmer quotes from the end of the year press conference, I'm pretty convinced that unless somebody comes along and says, this is absolutely Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, the stupidest thing that you're going to do, that their plan is to bring him back and to probably make him the starter for 2018. And as you uh, texted me last night, I would not be surprised, Matthew Collar, one bit if, if Zim wakes up in the middle of the night the past two weeks and says, damn it, I wonder if I should have started Teddy mm-hmm. around early December yep. or, at, or after Thanksgiving and says to himself, if I had only done that, it might have been different. He might, he, he'd might probably be wrong, but I really believe he probably believed that.
1: Well, it probably wouldn't have worked out still with the way the Eagles played defense. No. But the, Agreed. if you don't have the two turnovers in that game, how much different is it, really? And uh, I think Bridgewater is better equipped – to handle not having an offensive line where Keenum really needed them playing well. And I've seen some people, this is a crazy thing about stats in football is I've, I've gotten some tweets. Well, you know, Keenum was pressured on X number of percentage passes, which ranked 20th in the league or something like that. And one of the reasons, cause he holds onto the ball. <laughs> I mean, when you, yep. when he's doing all that running around and holding onto the ball, people are getting pressure on him, whereas if he just dumped it off like Sam Bradford. So they had a similar pressure rate, but can you tell me that the blocking wasn't a lot better? So stats can be twisted and spun around, but Bridgewater got pressured on almost... I think the stat was 47% of his dropbacks, and he was throwing the ball quickly because Matt Khalil and Teddy uh, or and, uh, TJ Clemmings were his tackles. So he was more equipped to play in a game like that and just... The thing is, when Bridgewater is 100 percent healthy, he's a more talented quarterback than Case Keenum from every aspect of his game, from his uh, from his arm strength. Keenum throws the ball down the field, but he does not have a really strong arm. And Bridgewater's arm strength has improved since his injury from accuracy way higher on the accuracy scale of uh, Bridgewater. Extremely intelligent. The leadership is way up there equal if not better I mean all the things that you check off the boxes and the big time throw ability is way higher from Teddy Bridgewater and that's a a provable stat not just um, oh I think that no I mean it's it's a provable stat that uh, Bridgewater has more of those types of throws on third and longs and things like that so I mean if you're Zimmer, you probably do look back and say, you know, if we had a guy who could make some big throws in that game or if you had a guy that could have converted us a few third and longs, then maybe we keep drives rolling. Maybe we keep them off the field instead of turning the ball over to him twice. But anyway, real quick, Judd, we've been promoting this a lot over the last couple of weeks, that you and I are going to be live, Judd.
0: Matthew, it's the Graduate Hotel, and we're going to be in the Beacon. The Beacon Public House. All 615 right. Washington Avenue, Southeast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, right on the U of M campus.
1: Okay, so, and joining us there, so that is Thursday at 4 o'clock, and joining us there are former Vikings Doug Sutherland and Ricky Young.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Doug, Doug who played in uh, in three of the Vikings four Super Bowl defeats, he played on three of those teams, so he was not there for the Kansas City loss, but he was there for the Pittsburgh, Miami, and Raiders loss, and uh, Ricky Young joined the Vikings in a trade from the San Diego Chargers for uh, Ed White, who was a very good offensive lineman. That came in, let's see, I've got it right here, in 1978. Ricky Young, an interesting tidbit about him, he was a a precursor to the West Coast offensive running back, the prototypical guy that catches screen passes. In, In an era where that was not the most popular thing, Ricky Young established himself, as, as a guy who came along and did things that we have now been seeing for the past 10 years to take for granted, but he was outstanding at catching passes out of the backfield.
1: So that is Thursday, 4 o'clock. Where again? This is the part I can't get to come up with. <laughs> Sorry. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, no worries. It's the Beacon. It's the Graduate Hotel. We are in the uh, what they call the Beacon Public House. Okay. Six fifteen Washington Avenue Southeast, right on the campus, University of Minnesota.
1: Okay, I remember the Graduate Hotel, but I uh, could not get the address to pop up. Well, great moments in podcasting. So if you've got a chance oh, you and you want uh, to see, listen. Yeah, it's fine. Two uh, old school Vikings, Doug Sutherland and Ricky Young, and we'll be we'll be chatting with them. Excited to do that. And I want to let our listeners know that this big game podcast is powered by Sprint. So Judd and I talking about everything associated with the big game, but really a lot of Vikings talk, too. We want to thank Sprint for their partnership for the special edition podcast. You can learn about how to get Sprint's incredible unlimited plan that includes Hulu. Visit a local Sprint store today. Sprint works for me. Judd, um, do you think that we're ready yet to talk about the Super Bowl or no? We're we not ready. I mean, fans, like, are they ready to start actually saying, okay, I'm going to watch this game. I'm going to try to enjoy it. Or are they just going to not watch or continue to be salty? What, what's going to happen here?
0: Here's my question, I guess. I, I don't even know if it's salty at this point. Certainly for the past week plus there's been disappointment because how badly the Vikings lost in the NFC championship game. Uh, I guess my, my honest thought from the local fan is I don't know how much they even care It's Philadelphia who they don't like against the Patriots who I don't know that they care about. It's weird because when the the Ryder Cup was here, for instance, that's the U.S., right? We all can rally around the U.S. We all care about we want the U.S.A. to win. Um, This is is an event that is here for an event's sake. But the actual game itself, I think there's mild interest maybe, but I think there's a lot of apathy too. So to answer your question – I don't think it's like the people don't want to talk about the game because they're mad about it. I just think that when the Vikings got bounced, they were like, oh, okay. It's the Eagles, and I hate their fans, against the Patriots. And I don't like them because they're too successful.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, by the way, it seems as if we will have an offensive coordinator decision soon. And one last name to throw into the mix, and maybe this is what the holdup is, plus the Super Bowl, you don't want to – break your big news while the Super Bowl is going on but John D. Filippo, who is the quarterbacks coach for the Philadelphia Eagles a name that's been bandied about quite a bit considering the success of Carson Wentz and Nick Foles and working under Doug Peterson I'm sure that uh, Mike Zimmer wouldn't mind bringing in someone from the staff that shredded him <laughs> from not only to just yeah. help him design yeah. an offense but also maybe tell him what exactly it was went wrong there.
0: Yeah, no, and so, so yeah, because I've seen a report, I forget who reported that there was supposed to be or that there might be a decision early this week. Clearly that's not going to happen. Um, and all, all indications uh, from reports locally seem to be that uh, that Kevin Stavansky, the team's quarterback's coach still, might get the job. But I would, with a team that's this prepared to win now, as I've told you all week long, I would take a long, hard look at giving the job to someone who is previous play calling experience because that's a lot to put on a guy's plate and i mean the one thing that we probably don't talk about enough and it's been brought up but it can be brought up on a continual basis because we're always talking about the quarterback position is you can't overlook the job that pat Shermer did in 2017 pat Shermer did an absolutely fantastic job but they just expect that an internal hire is going to carry that torch i think that's a big expectation
1: Yep, and I I do wonder how much the next offensive coordinator will have to do with who they have in mind for the quarterback, which way it works, whether they're saying to these people in the interviews, hey, um, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be your quarterback, so what do you think of that? Or if they're saying, hey, do you like Teddy? Do you like Case? Uh, What could you do with Teddy? What could you do with Case? What could you do with uh, Carson Palmer? (laughs) No, not Carson Palmer?
0: No, 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 no. you completely lost me there. Okay you completely lost. it. The Carson Palmer thing, it's run its course.
1: If you had gone back to 1998 and told everybody, hey, you know what? We're going to try to bring back Randall Cunningham because he was good in Philadelphia for like three or four years. So we're going to bring him back and we're just going to have him launch the ball down the field every time he touches it and see what happens. They would have said, are you insane? Randall Cunningham is washed up. He's done. He's retired. He's running a construction company. But he came back as a backup.
0: You're talking about giving Carson Palmer the job going into training camp. Wow. Randall Cunningham came back as Brad Johnson's backup, and then Brad Johnson got hurt in the first game against Tampa Bay, and Cunningham stepped in, and Brad Johnson actually took the job back and got hurt again.
1: But you would have another quarterback. I mean, it wouldn't be. You'd have you some type of competition. quarterback.
0: Well, it, it's all fun to, to talk about, but I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm convinced. I am very convinced that this team is never going to let uh, Teddy hit free agency and that Bridgewater will be signed before the new league year begins at, I think it might be 2 p.m. Central time or 3 p.m. Central time on March the 14th.
1: Yeah, I just would like to say to all those commenters on our site, thank you. Those are great comments, but you clearly had the point fly over your head that uh, the options after these guys are – Nothing that you're really going to be thrilled about. That if if it's not Teddy, if it's not Case, and it's not Kirk Cousins, then you aren't left with a whole lot. And that was basically the point that uh – that got missed, but I'm glad that people loved the Carson Palmer potential there. So They love, you know. the,
0: they love the speculation. They appreciate <laughs> the speculation.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Judd, and thank you to uh, all of you who have listened to the Purple Podcast. If you are listening to this before 4 o'clock on Thursday and you want to come out and see uh, Ricky Young and Doug Sutherland talk to us about the Vikings and the Super Bowl, then please, uh, please do that. So, All right. We'll catch you next time on the Purple Podcast.
0: Bye.